Well, US inflation is surprised again rather than easing back after that 5% jump last month. This time, it's higher still. So will the Fed keep pushing the transitory line or will they start to talk tapering sooner? As luck would have it, Jerome Powell is talking to Congress later today, so maybe we'll get an inkling of what's inside his head right now. Plus, RBNZ and the Bank of Canada today, two central banks in more of a hurry than most. That and so much more. It's Wednesday, the 14th of July, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the excitement in the share market yesterday didn't last long. All indices are down in the US, quarter percent down for the Dow and NASDAQ, 0.4% down for the S&P. Uh, they're fairly flat in Europe, though. The banks uh, that led the charge in the US yesterday are leading the fall this morning. JP Morgan down uh, almost 1.5%. The Bank of America down almost as much. Bond yields are up sharply, five basis points added to 10-year treasuries back up to 1.41%. That's 11 basis points higher than the low we saw last week, with a flattening of the yield curve as well. Not much contagion on that to Europe, though, uh, with the US dollar climbing higher again this morning, up more than half a percent on the DXY, not as high as it was last week, of course, but it's it's getting there. And uh, it meant a 0.4% fall in the Aussie, a bit more for the pound, 0.7% down for the euro. The yen is doing somewhat better. The US dollar is only up 0.2% on the yen and sharp rises in oil today. Brent is up 1.7%, well over $76 a barrel now. So why these sudden moves? Well, um, there was this one number that we were hanging out for, wasn't it? And that's uh, the US CPI. Let's look at that number with Tapper Strickland, Director of Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. 5.4%. That's the annual rise in prices for the US. I mean, more than that 5% that had everyone very jumpy in May and there was the expectation that it might fall a little, but it hasn't. Uh, 0.9 9% up for the month, which is the the biggest single month rise we've seen since mid-2008. So uh, the ob- obvious question, Tapas, is it all transitory? Good morning, Phil. Yes, what a stellar US CPI print. And uh, when you look at compared to relative to expectations, both core and headline printed more than double the mark consensus there. So uh, core coming, at, mm. coming in at 0.9%. Uh, month on month. Uh, when you do look under the hood, I think there still is enough within the US CPI report to still say a lot of these impacts are likely to be transitory. And when you look at the components, used car prices, for example, rose 10.5% yeah. in the month. And used car prices alone contributed 0.4 percentage points to the rise in core. So almost half of the rise in core relative to market expectations um, was driven by this one used car component. And over the right. past And that's because you can't get new prices, cars. Exactly. A, because, of, yeah. because of all this. And it's the driving season. You can't go on the driving season if you haven't got a car. So Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and there's some suggestions as well that fleet buyers were in the market as well. Uh, Importantly, Mm. when we look at some of the forward-looking indicators of used car prices, particularly auction prices, they've actually started to dip in June. Uh, And so you could see uh, those used car prices starting to reverse some of their rise and actually starting to drag back on uh, the headline CPI numbers. And the other components also suggest a little bit of temporary impacts there. So you look at airline fares and they're up 2.9%. But just remember the level of airline fares are still 9% lower than pre-COVID in the US. And hotel room rates also jumped 7%. That's consistent with everyone being on the road and wanting to get around post-COVID. But of course, um, not everyone can go on holidays all the time. Uh, And so all those people will have to go back to work eventually. So you'll expect that to normalize as well. 
And it's transitory. Yeah, exactly. It will. It, it, that, that is definitely transitory, isn't it? Because if you can charge more for a hotel room after having had them empty for a long time, and all of a sudden there's demand. Of course you will. So, um, but so it's timely, isn't it, that Jerome Powell is in front of Congress tonight because uh, obviously he's going to be asked uh, about inflation. So he, is he going to change his answer? I mean, we had Mary Daly from the San Fran Feds, you know, who's normally fairly dovish, talking about perhaps tapering this year. So, I mean, could this, could, I mean, could this change the attitude a little bit, or are they going to hold firm then? Because for the reasons you've just outlined on, on it all being transitory, and don't worry about it. I think they're going to hold firm, but they have indicated that they are talking talking about tapering. It's widely expected that they'll tie, that they will taper at least by the end of this year or early next year. And some expect Chair Powell to give more of a talk about that at the August Jackson Hole Symposium. And so I think that that base case is is still there. And in regards to uh, Powell and what he's expecting in terms of the transitory inflation impacts, if you remember Powell post the FOMC. Uh, press conference last time, he noted lumber prices uh, and lumber prices, which rose quite sharply um, mm. and then have actually fallen quite sharply over the past couple of months. Um, and I think they're down by around 50% now um, from, from their peak. And so he's been looking at those kind of indicators to say, well, some of the price rises that we have seen will be trans- will be transitory. So I don't think there's much within today's report that will affect his thinking. So why is it so much bigger then in the US? So we had the German inflation rate, which was only 2.3% yesterday, which was a, a slowdown from, uh, from, from the May figure. So I, I guess the speed of rec- it's to do with the speed of recovery, isn't it, I guess? Oh, it's, 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 it's two things. So it's um, the speed of the recovery in the sense that uh, the US did not have widespread uh, wage subsidies. So there was no mm. clear link of the employees back to their employers. Whereas in Europe, in Australia, in New Zealand, uh, there were those wage subsidies. So you didn't really see those big, sharp employment losses and those big rises in unemployment as you did in the US. So it's taking some time for those workers to come back into the labor market. And you're seeing that with really elevated jolts. Uh, the other one is just the composition of the CPI basket. Now, this is very um, esoteric, but for one example, um, used car prices uh, are one of the major components of the rise in CPI in the US. In Australia, used car prices don't really feature in the Australian CPI basket because they're considered no. as intra-household transfers. So you'll never ever see the rise in used car prices to the same extent as you will in Australia because of that. Yeah, I can see the Australian argument there. Makes more sense, doesn't it? But we get producer prices today, uh, maybe another inflation signal. Uh, yes, and so we'll be looking at at that, and also just going back on the lumber prices and how they've started to reverse some of their uh, pandemic rises. Maybe we'll be looking for some signs as well within that whether there is starting to see some uh, inflation prices starting to bait there or not. Right now, uh, the inflation numbers held shares back a bit, didn't they? Because otherwise, I would have thought they would be going out. I and mean, we had a, a strongish start to the corporate earnings season, didn't we? I mean, the banks sort of doing okay. Coca Cola up two percent because they're forecasting stronger sales. We're going to, you know, you know it's, it's summer. Uh, People are getting back out again, so they're going to uh, start drinking some of that cold stuff. Uh, yeah, so the, the uh, stocks were a little bit lower today, and primarily due to two reasons. So one, although earnings did beat expectations, when you look at the banks, uh, the revenue figures actually disappointed, and uh, JP Morgan in particular, uh, its revenues fell 8% on depressed lending margins and lower trading activity. And when you think about the kind of low volatility environment that we're in, um, that probably makes sense. And then also just the recent flattening in the yield curve as well um, at a mm. headline level suggests it's not going to be a very good environment uh, for banks at, at, at the moment. So um, that's one of the reasons why uh, stocks actually close lower and financials are down by around 1% compared to the broader 
S&P 500, which is down by around 0.4%. Uh, and then the second one is uh, what we were noting earlier on the US CPI. And when you look at the market reaction to that, particularly in bonds, um, you did see markets bring forward their pricing for the first FOMC rate hike. And I think the first rate hike is now fully priced by the end of uh, 2022, when just a few days ago they had started to push that back out into um, early mm. 2023. And then... Um, at the same time, you've seen some really interesting dynamics happening at the longer end of the U.S. yield curve, which suggests investors may be a little bit scared that the Fed might be a little bit uh, preemptive in rate rate hiking, might be a little bit ag- aggressive, and so therefore the peak in the Fed funds rate might be a little bit lower. And so in the immediate aftermath of the U.S. CPI report, we did seize the U.S. yield curve flattened, so short, short-end yields rose and longer-term yields fell. And in fact, the US 10-year yield, I think, uh, hit a low of around 1.34 or something like that, just following the CPI print, before rising on a very weak uh, 30-year bond auction. But when you actually see the the 530s curve in the US, it's still 1.3 basis points flatter than prior to the CPI. So it does suggest that curve flattening theme is still there. Uh, and look, banks doing okay in the UK though, because they had the the Bank of England p- produced its financial stability report overnight. It's lifted the uh, restrictions on the paying of dividends and uh, share buybacks. So they reckon the headwinds are manageable for banks. The real, t- I mean, which is interesting because the real test for banks is going to come down the track, isn't it? You know, as government unwinds its support, uh, more businesses want to get loans to 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 grow again. That's going to be the real test, I would have thought. But obviously, the Bank of England thinks they're going to be able to cope with that. Uh, yes, and. Uh- also, banks uh, took on a whole heap of provisions during the pandemic, and they'll be able to release those mm. provisions. So people were expecting those dividend payments to be ramped up quite aggressively and for those share buybacks to occur as well. And we saw that in the US when the US Fed uh, eased up on their yeah. dividend and buyback right. restrictions. Okay, now China's balance of trade, uh, well, no real sign of a slowdown, is there? Not for exports anyway, up 32.2%. Imports uh, from 51.1% growth in May to 367 in June, which is, a, which is a slowdown in growth. Still extraordinary figures, though, aren't they? And a very healthy balance of trade surplus. Oh, very, very strong Chinese export and imports data. And um, within the Asia session yesterday, it did add or did support some of the views that maybe the slowdown in China story was a little bit exaggerated. And you did see uh, the Aussie up smartly on the back of those trade numbers. But uh, I thought it was interesting that um, that optimism was tempered by the Chinese Commerce Commerce Ministry itself, uh, briefing uh, about a possible slowdown of exports and imports in the second half of this year, and particularly due to base effects. But then also uh, the Commerce Ministry also said it would redouble its efforts to stabilize trade and foreign investment. So it does suggest there is still some caution around the growth outlook for China at the moment, even though you did have these pretty stellar yeah, trade didn't numbers. want everyone to get too excited by those numbers. Clearly, I wanted to talk it down. What about oil then? Because oil is rising uh, very high, even though, you know, we might be getting a whole heap more of it from Iran, although we've, we have, I mean, more immediately, I mean, we have been seeing reserves falling in the US, of course. But I mean, just the prospect of more of it, you would have thought that uh, oil would be heading in the other direction right now. Yeah, that's now. right. So the oil price rose to a two and a half year high. So looking at Brent, it's currently trading at $76.47. Mm. And you're right, you'd have to think, well, if uh, things are easing up in Iran and Iran's about to flood the market with oil, maybe oil is going to come back. But it was just interesting that uh, those there's been a bit of a stalemate between uh, the uh, Iran and its, its partners uh, in terms of Iran being able to... Um, 
export oil again. So uh, that story is, is still being pushed out a little bit. And then the International Energy Agency is also warning of a fairly deep supply crunch coming up as well. And over the past couple of years, there hasn't been too much new investment in oil um, due to the pandemic. So it's kind of setting up that scene for a bit of a supply crunch. Right. The NAB business survey yesterday, I mean, we always look for that for, you know, to jolly us along. It's been good news lately, but a bit gloomier yesterday because, of course, it did include that build up to the to, to the Sydney lockdown. So business confidence took a took a hit. Um, but, you know, we've seen uh, rapid rebounds, haven't we, when restrictions are lifted. So I mean, presumably it's only going to be a temporary confidence. Well, it depends how long this lockdown is going to go on. We know it's going to go on for uh, at least another week. And we know also SMEs and uh, individuals are going to get some income support. So maybe that'll help a little bit as well. Um, so can we read too much into that survey, I guess, is the question. Oh, I don't think we can read too much into it. And just worth noting that uh, the survey period was only uh – at the very beginning of the Sydney lockdown. So it's likely next month we'll still feel those lockdown impacts. And with the additional government support that was announced late last night, uh, you would have to expect uh, this to be more of a temporary thing and that for conditions and confidence to rebound once those lockdown restrictions are eased. Uh, One interesting part of the survey that I found was on the prices side. Uh, So when you look at the three-month annualised retail prices, they're now running at 5.5%, which is the highest since March 2009. Uh, and the wages bill is also relatively elevated as well. So there's some hints within the NAB survey that you're starting to get a little bit of prices pressure there. But at the moment, that's not really translating through to the CPI, which remains very, very subdued. So two central banks that seem quicker to move than most, the Bank of Canada and the RBNZ. We're going to hear from both of them today. Uh, yes, that's right. So with the RBNZ, we're not expecting too much to come from this interim meeting. But um, just worth noting, the, hur- the hurdle for a hawkish surprise relative to market expectations is pretty high there. So when you look at market pricing at the moment, uh, it's pricing in around an 80% chance of a November um, rate hike and a 25% chance of a move as early as as August. Um, So to me, I I find it pretty hard that the RBNZ could be um, much more hawkish than market pricing there. So maybe the risk is there that the RBNZ comes out with a little bit more moderate language uh, than than yeah. what most people expect. Uh, and then in regards to the Bank of Canada, widespread expectations that they're going to taper their asset purchase program further. So they're currently purchasing $3 billion a week, and it's likely they're going to cut that down to $2 billion a week. And uh, when you look at market pricing there, they're fully pricing a rate, uh, rate hike over the next 12 months. I think a lot of people are asking the question if the Fed, so the US Fed, if they're only starting their asset tapering, um, say, at the beginning, sorry, at the end yeah. of this year, and they're not likely to hike rates until maybe late 22 or early 23, then will the Bank of Canada move ahead of them? So there's a little bit of discussion in the market at the moment uh, whether the Bank of Canada will push back against the current market pricing. Uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem like it's, uh, you know, with them all out of kilter. You know, what impact does that have? I, I ask that as a rhetorical question because we haven't got time to answer it. But, but let's look at today, uh, Australian consumer confidence, UK CPI for June, industrial production for Europe. Uh, anything else? And do you want to comment on any of those before we go? Oh, with the consumer confidence, I wouldn't be surprised to see that dip in Australia, just given the Sydney uh, lockdown. And the UK CPI, I think that's really worth a read, uh, just given that core CPI in the UK is now at target at 2% year on year. So uh, exactly where that goes from here, I think that the Bank of England has been split a little bit. So um, outgoing Chief Economist Haldane was warning about inflation pressures and the Bank of England Governor um, Bailey was uh, saying that a lot of that would be temporary. So just interesting to see where it goes from there. Yeah, not, not many people seem to be listening to Haldane, did they? It's sort of like, see you later. Thanks for your comments. Uh, we'll catch you again next time. Thanks for coming on, Tapas. Catch you next week. Oh, great. Uh, thanks, Phil. You don't have to wait till next week for the next morning call. Of course, we are back tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Have a great day.